the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't buy into that lie. The lie that tells you if you just do certain things, if you just live a certain way, you'll never have difficulty or you'll never have tough times. The truth is Christianity has always thrived in persecution because Christianity was born out of persecution. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Christian character is not forged in the moment of adversity. Christian character is revealed in the moment of adversity. The truth is, according to Scripture, all of us will fall. All of us will fail in different ways, even as followers of Christ. The question is not if we will fail, if we will fall. The question is, how do we react when that happens? How do we respond? With what character do we get up and go forward for the glory of God? Daniel is going to navigate this season of persecution like a champ. And let me just say before we move past that theme, you and I had better get ready. If Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. If he said, beware, in this world you're going to have trouble. Why should we think that as Christ followers in our day, we should have it easy? This has nothing to do with the political election or anything that's incurred in 2020. But I would say to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, our best days in this society are likely going to be seen in how we respond to the persecution that we inevitably face. May we rise to that occasion for the glory of God. The third theme is a familiar theme in scripture from the earliest pages of Genesis. It's the theme of pride. In every story in which the evil one is present, you will always see him with the emergence of pride. You see, for our enemy, pride is essential artillery because he knows that pride comes before every fall. And so in this story, pride is used. Pride is used to influence the king. Look in verse 6. Then these high officials, the satraps, they came in agreement to the king and they said, O King Darius, live forever. They're stroking his ego. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, they're all agreed. By the way, when, when someone's trying to get you to do what they want, that's, that's the same line people always use. Everybody else thinks you should do this. Everybody's in agreement. That the king should establish an ordinance, enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except, of course, you, stroking his ego. King, we need a new law. And the law needs to be that anybody that bows down to anybody but you, what's going to happen? King, you shall cast them into the den of lions. 
now, O king, establish this injunction. Sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. We still use that term today, that it's according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. That lets us know that it's something that cannot be changed. Notice what happens. Therefore, having had his ego stroked, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. They fed his ego before he fed Daniel to the lions. You know what ego stands for? If you're taking notes, maybe you'd write those letters, E-G-O. It stands for this simple phrase, edging God out. Because when pride comes into your life and you begin to respond in ego, what you do is you push God out of the picture. That's why God gives us the gift of humility. Humility is for our protection. It allows us to see that it's not all about us. When I humble myself and I look up to an almighty God, I begin to realize it's not about me. Pride does just the opposite. Pride causes me to focus on self and to think it is all about me. The danger of pride. So what's Daniel going to do? This is the fourth theme, persistence. Now, I could have used another P word. I could have talked about prayer, and we will. That's the way that Daniel persists. But I want you to get the general principle here. Look at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed. Say this with me. Say, when Daniel knew. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Say, as he had done. When Daniel knew as he had done. When Daniel knew as he had done. What took place? When Daniel found out what King Darius had signed, It was not done in the dark. He knew all about it. He was one of the most powerful people in the kingdom. When he knew that that was a law, what did he do? He did what he had always done. He went and he persisted in spiritual discipline. Chuck Swindoll put it this way. He said, Daniel's faith was not crisis oriented. Too many of us turn to God only when we're in the valley, only when we're in the middle of the crisis, only in when we can't see another way out. That was not Daniel's faith. Daniel had demonstrated in the good days how to be faithful to God. So when the bad days came, he was already prepared to be faithful to God. When he heard about the law, he carried on as if nothing had changed. Why? Because for him, nothing had changed. What if that were said for us? What if in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of racial unrest, in the midst of political upheaval, we as a church, we as followers of Christ, were able just to carry on as if nothing has changed because for us, nothing has changed. Our God is still on our throne, on his throne. He is still faithful. He is still able. He is still moving. He is still changing lives. He didn't change when the pressure was on or when the heat was turned up. Maybe he remembered the Psalms. Psalms like the one I learned as a child. Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved in the heat of the sea. What if we as Christ followers live with that even though mentality? We're going to trust the Lord no matter what comes because that's just who we are. When the going gets tough, we know who's going with it, with us through it. 
Someone said this wasn't an issue of sin that Daniel refused to commit. It was an issue of obedience that he refused to omit. A lot of us who gather in places like this and take time out of our week to listen to teaching of God's word, we're pretty good at refusing to do some of the sins that are out there. We don't drink and we don't chew and we don't go with girls that do. But this is not what was taking place here. This was Daniel refusing to omit from his life that which he knew was necessary, that was central to his faith. Question. If the world changed today, what spiritual disciplines are already a part of your life that would not be changed? Would you have to start saying, I I need to read the Bible more. I I need to pray more. I I need to go to church more often. I I need to be more faithful in my giving. I, I need to witness more. Or would those things already be a part of who you are? We see one example of Daniel's discipline. It's the discipline of prayer. John Piper calls this a daring, defiant, and disciplined prayer. When will we understand the power of prayer? When will we understand the difference we can make just by seeking the face of God, not simply crying out to the hand of God, but seeking the face of God in prayer? Christian history knows of many legendary prayers, such as George Mueller, the Victorian pastor, who prayed every day for more than 50 years for the salvation of five friends. Persistent prayer, the last of whom came to Christ after Mueller's death. Or Amy Carmichael, whose deep prayer life emanated from a bed where she spent the last 20 years of her life as an invalid. Or Susanna Wesley, who had a house full of children, yet spent an hour every day in prayer. Or Martin Luther, who famously said, if he didn't spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil would get the victory during the day. On particularly busy days, he spent at least three hours praying. When will we understand what Daniel understood about the power of prayer? Well, how did he pray? First, he prayed with expectation. How do I know he prayed with expectation? Because he went where he always went and the windows were open. Now, I've heard this taught as if Daniel in the moment was trying to make a point. That he went and he flung his windows open and he kind of in their face prayed. That's, that's misinterpreting the text. That's not what it says. Because it says he just did what he'd always done. Apparently in his house, there was an upper prayer room. And that upper prayer room had the windows open toward Jerusalem. Why? Well, perhaps because that's how Jewish people had been taught to pray, to pray toward the temple in Jerusalem, expecting that God would do a great work, expecting that God would be faithful. Daniel knew that his past faithfulness was no substitute for present faithfulness. So he prayed with the windows open. Let me ask you today, do you pray with the windows open? Not literally, but do you, you pray expecting God to move? Or are you so consumed with your situation that you don't really even think about it that way? Someone has said we either pray with the windows open toward Babylon or the windows open toward Jerusalem. You either pray looking toward your circumstances and focused on those or you pray looking toward God and his deliverance. Daniel expected God to work. He prayed with expectation, but he also prayed with humility. Now, how do I know he prayed with humility? Watch this. Because it says he knelt. As he prayed. Now do you have to kneel every time you pray? No. You don't. 
In, in fact, probably surprise you. Did you know Daniel's only one of three people in the Old Testament that are mentioned to have knelt while they prayed? One was Solomon as he was dedicating the temple. The other was the prophet Ezra as he was crying out for the repentance of the children of Israel. And then Daniel. James, the half-brother of Jesus. We've just studied the little book of James. James was known as camel knees because his knees were calloused from kneeling. What does kneeling do? Well, I I think sometimes it's healthy for us because particularly the older we get, it's not easy. (laughs) And it reminds us that we really are in a place of need and desperation before God. Maybe it's okay to feel that pain a little bit, to make that a part of your practice. But here's the big thing. It demonstrates our humility. It's like Isaiah taught us, God high, me low. I'm humbled before God. I know who God is. I know who I am. And I know the difference. He prayed with humility. But then he prayed with thanksgiving. Don't you find this interesting? He prayed with thanksgiving before he was delivered from the lions. He prayed with thanksgiving regardless of the circumstance. It's like we often pray around here, God, you are good. You do good. So I want to thank you in advance for the things that you're going to do. It's an attitude of gratitude, and an attitude of gratitude doesn't come from your circumstances. An attitude of gratitude stems from your character. If you're not grateful in the moments of desperation, it is unlikely that you will be grateful even in moments of delight. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. And then here comes the next theme, a theme that's familiar throughout Scripture. There's a problem. (laughs) That won't surprise you if you hang out here very much because we talk about that. Problems are part of life. We, we say it in the sense of storms, right? We, we're either coming out of a storm, we're in a storm, or though we may not recognize it, we're headed toward a storm. I was talking with someone this week. They said, Pastor, there's been times in my life where I'd just come out of a storm, but I was still in the middle of a storm, and I was headed into a storm. I didn't even know it all at the same time. Problems are part of our reality. But here's the good news. Our God is a problem solver. Look at verse 11. So these men came by agreement. They've got their plan. They found Daniel making petition and plea before God. Imagine how they were. They were staking out his house. We got him now. He's going down. (laughs) Look at what it says. They came near and they said to the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? What does the king say? Yeah, of course I did. I remember. It's the law of the Medes and the Persians now. It cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said to the king, Daniel, who's one of your exiles from Judah, 
So it's interesting here, and this is often the case when people are in a setting of disagreement, they throw in a racial slur. They, they put him down from where he'd come from. Daniel, he's, he's one of those Jews. He pays no attention to you or the injunction you've signed. He makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. The king loved Daniel. The king hated that he was in this situation. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Why did he labor till the sun went down? Because he only had 24 hours. That was the law. He had 24 hours from the crime to enact the punishment. So these men came by agreement to the king and said, King, it's the law of the Medes and the Persian. No injunction or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast through the den of the lions. There it is. That story that we learn about as children. Daniel fed to the lions. Daniel and the lion's den. That's where it takes place. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. And notice what the king says. May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And then he took the stone He covered the mouth of the den. He sealed it with his signature. And it says in verse 18, the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him. No sleep fed from him. This is a big problem. Interesting story, isn't it? The lions, they wanted to eat and they couldn't. The king, he could eat and he wouldn't. I mean, this was a mess. This is a big problem. And some of you, you're in situations right now that cause you to feel like you're in a lion den. You're in a mess. Your life is full of problems. I want to tell you something. God specializes in impossible situations. That's what he does. He is able. He is God. That leads us to that next theme. It's the word provision. See, this whole book, the grand narrative, it's about God's provision. You and I, we have a problem. We're separated from God because of sin. If it's left undealt with, that sin will cause us to be punished. And the Bible says the only fair punishment for sin is death in a place the Bible calls hell. So the Bible says our problem is if it's not dealt with, all of us are headed to hell. But the story of Scripture is that God makes provision. And God did that in this story too. Look at verse 19. At daybreak, the king rose and he went to the haste to the den of lions and he came near to the den where Daniel was and he cried out in a tone of anguish and the king declared to Daniel, Daniel, son of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Again, wouldn't it be great if the people who watched us would describe us that way? Your God, who you continually serve, do your coworkers, do your classmates, when they see you out in social settings, do they describe you that way? Do they look at you in light of the God that you continually serve? Daniel said to the king, King, live forever. My God sent his angel. And he shut the lion's mouths and they've not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I've done no harm. The king was glad. He commanded that Daniel be be taken up out of the den. And Daniel was taken out of the den. And no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When they went into the fiery furnace, it says they came out and they didn't even smell like they had been to a barbecue joint. Here he comes out of the lion's den, and there's no cat fur on him. We've got a cat in our house. There's cat hair everywhere. Daniel didn't even have that on him. 
The king commanded and those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lion. They, their children, their wives, they reached the, before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Now, I think there's two reasons we have those couple of sentences in this story. Number one, I think God wants to remind us there's always payment for sin. Your choices always have consequences. You can't just say, eat, drink, and be merry. You can't just say, I'm going to live the way I want to live. There will always be consequence to your choices. Secondly, I think God was wanting to tell us, hey, this wasn't a mistake. The king hadn't accidentally put him in there with the circus lions. I mean, these were the, these were the real deal. And we know that because when they got the next meal, they ate it quick. God's provision. What does this teach us about Daniel? I think the same thing we learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were more influenced by the omniscience and the omnipotence of their God than they were by the outcome of their circumstances. Remember when the other three went into the fiery furnace and they said, my God will deliver us. But if he does it, we still trust him. That was Daniel's testimony as well. He was unruffled. He didn't let the situation get the best of him. I I love this painting. It was from 1872. It it shows Daniel in the lion's den, and he's just standing there. It's kind of like he's just talking to the lions. What's up, dudes? Uh, It's kind of weird, isn't it? Y'all can't even open your mouth. It's, It's a weird feeling, isn't it? That's my God. He's got my back. So we're gonna be here all night, so let's just make the most of it. What do y'all like to do? (laughs) Oh, sorry, y'all can't even talk. (laughs) He's unruffled. What if the people in our little corner of the world saw us that way when we were in the midst of trial? Do they? Or do they see you anxious and full of stress and overcome with worry just like they are? That should not be so. We should be different. Why? Because every Christ follower will experience deliverance. There's nothing you will encounter that has to take you under. God may deliver you out of it or like in the case of the fiery furnace and the lion's den, he may deliver you through it. But wherever we are, whatever we face, our God is able to deliver his people and demonstrate his power. When you're walking with God, even the most stressful moments of life can be peaceful. But if you're not walking with God, You can face something that everybody else looks at as a small deal and it stresses you out. Well, let me see you, let you see how this closes. It's the last theme. And really this is what scripture is all about. It's the theme of praise, the glory of God. Notice the response of the king, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, the nations, the languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he's the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in him and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This is a big deal. The same king that one day earlier had just ordered everybody to bow and worship him was now ordering everybody in his kingdom to worship the God of Daniel. 
Now, why do I say this is what the book's all about? Because near the end of the book, we're told in the book of Philippians that there's coming a day where every knee from every tribe and tongue and nation, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the same thing Darius told his kingdom to confess, that Jesus the Christ is Lord, that he's the one true God, that he is able. Hear me today, my God is able, your God is able. Wherever we are, whatever we face, our God is able to deliver his people and demonstrate his power. What a story. What a story. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.